Yeah, there was no way I was going to be able to follow that song without a little bit of uh, comic relief to clear my head. Uh, I don't know about you, Angie, but Mother's Day is making me soft. Man, I tell you. This week, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about experiencing God in joy, and we're going to talk about how we can produce joy. And I thought, you know, I need to back up about three weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, because I really want to share with you how life can be, have those moments where there's joy and then it's sucked out of you, and then there's joy and then it's sucked out of you. And it goes kind of like this. One Monday morning, two men were in an office meeting, (laughs) praying and fasting and being spiritual. Okay, maybe not. Andy and I were meeting and we were talking about this series and we we were talking about the produce and and we said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we could set up this, this kind of produce stand, this little farmer's market thing to talk about the fruit of the Spirit? It's like, that's probably the best idea you've had all year, Andy. And so we headed out. We jumped in the van, and we went out to our friends at Earth Fair. And we hung out with them a little bit. We said, hey, could you get us some, some just fruit boxes just to kind of set up? And we talked to this guy. His name was Colby. And he was like, yep, we'll get you fruit boxes. I was like, man, that's awesome. So a little bit of joy. We're like, this is good stuff. We go next door to our friends at Hollywood Feed. And I said, hey, can we get some of these fancy crates that you guys use to, to kind of go? We, we cast our vision. And they were like, you know what? Yeah, we'll get you some crates. When are you doing it? Ah, a couple weeks, we'll come back. We're walking out, we're high-fiving, we're like, man, we're on it. We're doing the Lord's work, getting ready, give a nice visual. We leave Earth Fair, and wouldn't you know it, one of us gets in a wreck. (laughs) Actually, we both got in a wreck, and since I was driving, I guess it'd probably be me. Uh, Joy, it just went out. It was like, Joy, yeah, we got nothing. We just hit a Landers McClarty truck. (laughs) Ouch. And then the cops show up, because that's what they do. And uh, we thought, well, since he's here, we might as well witness to him. <laughs> and uh, He's not going anywhere until the van leaves. So, hey, we're from Huntsville Christian Church. <laughs> not every day you get to meet an officer like that. We had a good conversation with him, and he says he may come and hang out with us. So joy again. It kind of, you know, then we take the van over, and, um, well, it was pretty bad. Uh, they said I couldn't have it back. Uh, it was sad. Uh, but my buddy called and he goes, hey, saw a picture of your van on Facebook. You can use my truck until you get things squared away. Oh, joy. But then he goes, it's the farm truck. Yeah. It's a 350 diesel and diesel's $4 a gallon. There went the joy. You see how this is my week, my last couple of weeks has been a roller coaster. So I'm driving this big farm truck. He goes, hey, you can't hurt yourself in this. You know, true. Then they call me about the van. Can't fix your van. We're going to have to total it. There went the joy. Then they called me a few days later. Hey, we're going to give you $5,000 for your busted up van. That's not too bad. <laughs> it's better than what it blue booked for. I was like, I'll take it. Joy. So I take that check and I go to my friends at Bentley and I said, hey, I got $5,000 and uh, I'm going to buy a car. You got two of them I like. So we went through all that process and I take off with my new car the next day after that. Joy, got a new Chevy Trailblazer, 2006, 40,000 less miles. It was a great thing. I get home, I walk out the next morning, there's a puddle of antifreeze underneath it. <laughs> there went the joy. Called him up. Yeah, it's leaking. 
sure, I'll bring it back. I have nothing better to do, you know. Drive it back. They give me a rental car, a loaner car. Hey, that's not too bad. It was fancy. Driving around. Then they call me. Hey, it's just a radiator cap. Sweet. Go back, get my car. Got my new car. I'm tooling around. Take a trip to Decatur and back. It overheats. <laughs> there went to joy. It's an emotional roller coaster. The world we live in is horrible sometimes. So I call them again. Of course, the day that I have available is field trip day, so I have to get to the auto to, to Bentley and then out to Cathedral Caverns and all this stuff. So I get the get the, the, the Trailblazer to Bentley real quick. He says, "Look, we're going to take care of it. I got you a nice rental. This is, you're a nice loaner car. You're going to like this." My man rolls up in a uh, I forgot what it's called now, but it was one of the big fancy Buick uh, on, uh, well, Enclave. Thank you, Dylan knows. This thing had more buttons and whistles. Like $60,000 loaner car. I'm like, yeah. And he gives me the keys. He goes, treat it like it's yours. I was like, you realize that the last one I treated like was mine, I ran into the Landers McClarty guy, right? You got that? He said, well, don't treat it that much like it's yours. So now I'm sporting this fancy SUV, and that was a good day. And they call me, and they go, hey, your truck's ready. The water pump actually was leaking. So we put a new water pump in the Trailblazer. You come pick it up. He says, I'm not going to be here. Um, but you just go to the cashier. I thought, oh, cashier, I got to pay for that water pump. There went the joy. I was sad. But then I got there and I went to the cashier. I said, hey, here's the keys to the enclave. And they said, hey, here's your, here's your receipt. I was like, that's it? They're like, yeah, we got it. Oh, joy. <laughs> a company that stood behind its product enough to fix it, give me a loaner and not charge me for the broken stuff in an as-is vehicle. That's joy. It ended up being a pretty good week. But you see that sometimes it's hard to be full of joy every day. Sometimes it's hard to be half full of joy. <laughs> some days it's, I read some headlines and I listen to the news and it's tough just finding a drop of joy from this world we live in. Listen to some of these headlines from around the world this week. These were the top world headlines. I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to hit a few of them. U.S. officials hitting the ground in Nigeria to help find missing girls. Well, that's a good thing. There were a lot of countries going to do that, but the, the non-joyous part is 250 girls came up missing, uh, were, were abducted for no reason. Multiple countries send help to Nigeria. Joy. South Korea. They find three drones that were flown over from North Korea. Now, we know that's not going to end well. There's no joy there. Cargo door alert forces Singapore Airlines A380 to turn back in mid-flight. Boy, that'll, that'll put you right into perspective when all of a sudden your pilot on the Singapore Airlines says, we have to turn around because the cargo door light just came on. That's not like, you know, your seatbelt light in your car, or even the door ajar in your car. That's like a big deal. <laughs> Fighting in southern Ukraine city kills at least three. It just, you know, NATO chief, Putin's Crimea visit, inappropriate. You know, we look at our, our world headlines and we're robbed of our joy, but it's not just that. It's not just the, the world headlines. It's, it's the magazines we read. The articles, are you pretty enough? Are you smart enough? Are you talented enough? The ads in most of those magazines are even worse. I, I've realized, I don't even know why we buy magazines in this country. All they do is show and tell us how unhealthy we are, how unflattering we are, how we don't fit into the mold of fashion and the iconic lifestyle that is presented to us. So stop buying magazines, all of them, boycott them. 
don't know why we do it, but it's hard. It's no wonder it's hard to experience God in joy in our country. No wonder it's hard even for Christians to produce joy when all these things are coming at us from all different directions. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. And as you turn there, I want to share a story with you about a third century man who was anticipating his death. And he penned out these last words to a friend. He said, it's a bad world. Third century. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised. They are persecuted, but they care not because they are masters of their souls. Of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. It's true. The world tries to strip away our joy. But, but this is nothing new. It, it was happening in the third century. It even happened in the New Testament church as well. Let's look at Acts chapter 5. We're going to start in verses 17, starting out with the arrest of Peter and the apostles. Verse 17 says, But the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them... Now, they laid hands is not like they laid hands and prayed on them. They laid hands and you're under arrest. They locked them in, all right? This wasn't how we like to talk about laying hands. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go, stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest and his associates came, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, excuse me, they called together the council, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who did come did not find them in prison. And they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we had opened up, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this, 
After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan of action, excuse me, for if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may be found fighting against God. Verse 40 says, they took this advice. I have to add there, kind of, uh, because after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. And here it is. After all of that, verse 41 says, so they went on their way from the presence of the council. Remember, after receiving their beating, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They went rejoicing that the world, they went, let me put it to you this way, they went producing joy because the world, the Sadducees and the Senate of the sons of Israel and the chief priests and the temple guards flogged them for sharing Jesus as the Christ. And they left that beating producing joy. And sometimes we can't even get out of bed and produce joy. They went rejoicing. Their world tried to suck the joy right out of them. And instead of allowing that to happen, they went on their way rejoicing. And not only were they rejoicing, not only were they producing joy, but they kept on preaching and teaching Jesus as the Christ. I want to be like them when I grow up. No matter what happens, being able to go out and produce that joy and share that story. It's not just the world that messes with our joy. It's not just the world that makes it hard to experience God in joy because Satan gets in our head and he tries to steal our joy. I want you to go ahead now and turn in your Bibles to John 15. As you turn there, I'm reminded of this concept of Satan in our heads. And it reminds me when Dylan was five. He was, he was playing on an upward football team over at the Baptist Church on Highway 53. And it was great. It was, it was a bunch of kindergartners. It was like herding cats. They're running around, not knowing what direction they were going, playing football. And every Saturday after the game, they would do this little devotion for the kids. And on one of these devotions, the coach, uh, his name was Ricky Self. He's a great, great man. Uh, he, was, he was trying to explain to the kids that Jesus lives in our hearts. And, and Dylan, at five years old, he pipes up and he says, yeah, Jesus lives in my heart. But Satan, he gets in my head and I don't always do what I should. That's the devil, you know. He broke it down for him. I wanted him to understand that. And so I thought, there it is, folks. Theology of a five-year-old. Satan gets in our head, and he steals our joy. And you know the thing about it is, sometimes he's real subtle with it. And sometimes he's as subtle as a two-by-four when he does it. And it doesn't take much. But you know what? No matter what Satan gets in your head with, if it's your past sins, maybe it's your current less-than-average situation, no matter what he gets in our heads with, Jesus provides a way out. I want to share that with you. John chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be made full. You see that? If you want to experience God in joy, even when Satan is in your head trying to steal your joy, right there in verse 7 is you're out. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, when Satan's in your head, all you have to do is abide in Christ. Go back to what you know. Abide in him. Ask him to remove these thoughts, this, this lust, this desire to lie or cheat or steal or be angry or whatever it is that you're struggling with. Abide in him, even when Satan's trying to steal your joy. If you do this, you will experience God in joy, even when Satan is trying to steal it from you. But it starts with where you abide. You can't buddy up with Satan and then go, well, why is this happening? Because he's your BFF, that's why. That means best friend forever for you folks that aren't into Twitter and stuff. You abide in him. It starts with where you abide. If you abide in the word of the Lord, if you abide in communication with Christ, it's a lot easier to do this. Now, as if the world and Satan aren't enough when it comes to stealing our joy. I've also noticed that sometimes we are joy stealers. We steal each other's joy. We being Christian people. We steal each other's joy. We, we do it by one-upping each other. That's a nice, nice shirt. Did you see mine? Did you get that pennies? Men's warehouse. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but we do it. We one-up each other. We steal joy in our marriages by nagging at each other or by lording over each other. In our families, we steal. Don't look at the people around you when I'm saying this stuff about families because then they come at me later and go, what'd they tell you? Okay, so don't just look. Every, all eyes on me right now, okay? We steal each other's joy in families because we, we, we nag and we lord over and we, we hold little secrets over each other. Sometimes we steal our own joy by living outside of our means in our families. Or we, we levy our own self-worth as parents based on how well our kids do at sports and other activities. Let me tell you something. If you're trying to relive your glory days through your kids' extracurricular activities, there's a good chance you are stealing their joy. And it's not as much fun for them as it is for you. Even in churches, we tend to steal each other's joy. We cut each other down, and, and sometimes we're really slick about it. We use Scripture. These, these are some of my, my favorite things, like... And this never happens here, okay? But you see a woman, she comes into church for worship. She's all dressed up and looking very sharp. And then you may hear someone say under their breath something about how the Bible says, well, a, a spiritual woman would never feel that they need to adorn themselves with jewels and fancy clothes and braided hair. But her beauty should come from within. They don't need all that. It's in the scriptures, you know. Or, or, or maybe someone comes right to work or comes right to, to church from working a night shift or preparing to go into work. And we say things like, well, don't they know that the body is a temple and you should give the Lord your very best on every Lord's day? I've actually heard, true story, I've actually heard of churches that had an extra sport or suit jacket for men because every man should wear a jacket to church, a, a men's jacket ministry. I think about that at a church like that, and I have to laugh when I think back to my first Sunday walking into a church. Um, for those of you who don't know, when I went back to church as a young adult, I walked in wearing a pair of old pair of cowboy boots with duct tape on them and a very, we'll say a well-worn pair of bib overalls. 
uh, with no shirt. Uh, my hair was longer than my shoulders and it wasn't combed or anything. And I just kind of giggle when I think about the look on the guy's face running the coat ministry as I walk in and he's like, excuse me, sir, may I help you select a coat? I don't think it's going to matter much. <laughs> you know, put that on. Uh, what goes with faded denim? You know, <laughs> um, everything goes with faded denim. Just imagine that, though. There actually, there's the churches out there that are like that. And then they use Scripture to back it up. We should, you should come giving your best. You know, I think we mean well on the surface, but sometimes we have the ability to just suck the joy right out of each other, and, and that makes us weak, and it wears us down. We forget things like Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. We forget how, how in the Psalms, David writes for the Lord to restore me the joy of our salvation. Psalm 51, 12. That's what David he says, restore me in the joy of your salvation. You know, the world we live in may indeed try to strip away our joy. And we know that Satan is, is the father of lies and, and, and he will do whatever is in his power to strip away our joy. And sadly enough, because of those things, we even get in on the action and we get wore out and we steal each other's joy. Even though Romans 12, 14 through 15 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Brothers and sisters, I got to tell you today that Christ is the source of our joy. We may find temporary happiness. We may find temporary pleasure in some of the things that this world has to offer and in this lifetime. But joy in the Lord is an anchor in all of life's circumstances. He is, he is the blossom from which joy in this life blooms. And he is the sweet nectar of life. We are blessed with the love of Christ. And we should live with that joy in our lives and in our hearts and in our actions. The Greek word in this text for joy is chara. It's a constant awareness of God's grace. You think about that no matter what's going on in your world right now no matter what hurt you're dealing with, no matter what victory you've just overcome or, or just had, no matter what mountain or valley, no matter what's going on, being able to, to understand, to, to be in that constant awareness of God's grace. It doesn't mean we get to take advantage of, of God and His grace. But it means that no matter what's going on, good, bad, or indifferent, we have an awareness of God's grace. That is experiencing God in joy no matter what's going on around you. And when we do that, when we have this constant awareness of God's grace, we can go out and produce joy no matter what's happening. Regardless of life circumstances, no matter what the world tries to steal from us, regardless of what Satan tries to do to us, regardless of how we treat each other sometimes, when we live in that constant awareness of God's grace, we can produce joy. We can experience God through joy by sharing joy with others. I like to say that joy is the gift that keeps on giving. You see, in order to really experience God through joy, we need to pass it on. As we come to our response time today, I would like for you to think about how joy factors into your life. Do you have it? Do you have joy? Do you have that, that understanding of God's grace no matter what? I'd like for you to think about how it factors into your life. Do you pass it on? Do you share it? Or, or do you take joy from others? Or do you allow joy, do you allow your joy to be taken from you because you aren't abiding in Christ?
I want to encourage you today to start fresh, seeking to experience God in joy. Maybe for you, that's, that's through baptism, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and being baptized. Maybe for you, the first step uh, as a Christian to experiencing joy, experiencing God through joy, is to rededicate. Or maybe you need to approach someone and apologize to them for stealing their joy. If you'd like someone to pray about this with you or offer you some wisdom to your situation, our elders are here. We have a place to offer you privacy where you can, you can share and, and they can encourage you there. Maybe you're ready to start spreading joy and helping us to, to share that joy in our community and to experience God through joy, and you want to partner with us today, maybe that's the response that's on your heart. But whatever your response is today, I pray that it is God-focused and that you will begin to experience joy like never before. Will you stand and sing with us and think on those things? It's been great to worship with you all today and to talk about how we can experience God in joy, but now it's time to go. As you go this week, remember this. Men have pursued joy in every avenue imaginable. Some have successfully found it, while others have not. I think it might be easier to describe where joy can't be found. Uh, For example, it cannot be found in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel of the most pronounced type, and he wrote, I wish I had never been born. It can't be found in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure, if anyone ever did, and he wrote, The worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. It can't be found in money. Jay Gould, the American millionaire, had plenty of that. And when he was dying, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. It can't be found in position and fame. Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both. And he wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. It cannot be found in military glories. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. And having done so, he wept in his tent. Before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. Where then is real joy found? The answer is simple, in Christ alone. And one of the best ways to experience joy is by sharing joy with others. Joy is the gift that keeps on giving, as I said earlier. And as you go this week, I wanted to make it very easy for you to help others experience joy. And so what I did, I had these fancy little cards made up. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Somebody more talented than I made these. And and on the top it says, spread the joy. And then it says, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. There's also a quote from Mary Winkle, uh, or excuse me, Marie Winkle, Wickle. You'll read it. And it says, it says, there is no joy like spreading joy. And because it's all about joy, there are a few lines on the card where you can write a little note of joy to somebody, a little note of encouragement, and then make it extra sweet. We put a miniature almond joy on there. This is not for you to tide you over on the way to the restaurant or while you're waiting for the Mother's Day lunch. This is for you to write some encouragement either to someone in your life, a co-worker, someone at work, at school. Maybe it's the waitress today. Um, as you leave today, I've got some teenagers will be stationed at the doors and take one of these. Now, if you take this, you are saying before God and everybody that you are going to spread joy. All right. And I'll be really disappointed if they're still full back there. All right. So <laughs> as you go this week, take an opportunity and spread joy in our community and with the people you love. Have a great week.